Thanks, Barry. Thanks, uh, worship team. That was amazing. So uh, we're just getting ourselves set up front here. Welcome. It's nice to have all of you here. And you see they give the old guy the dodgy seat. That is so dangerous. So uh, we, we're back. Um, I mean, we've been back for a while, but in terms of being a staff team, it is always so great uh, to get back together again. And uh, we thought that it would be great to have not only a sermon, but a conversation as well. Uh, our, at our church, we just, we love conversations. And, uh, but not just any random conversation, uh, a conversation around answering really difficult questions. It's one of the things that I think you do as a pastor. Uh, there's lots of stuff that a pastor does that's amazing. And a lot of it, that's, that's easy. Some of it's hard. Answering questions that you don't really know the answer to is one of them. And I think one of the huge questions we all grappling with at the moment, and you hear it more at the beginning of the year, I guess, it's that question, how are you? Because, I mean, let's face it, eh? Pandemic kind of shapes all of that. I mean, I just had a holiday, and when people say, did you have a great holiday? I'm like, I had a great holiday, but it was weird. And so we really together want to grapple with, with that question and how do we answer it well. The reason we want to do that is we just honestly believe that it is so important to be able to answer that question honestly. In fact, not just, I mean, socially it's incredibly important to be able to answer that question honestly because how do we handle a pandemic when we can't answer that question properly? But as a family of God, as, as a church family, uh, as people who inhabit the kingdom, we have to be properly honest with each other. And so we're going to, we're going to grapple with that question. And so, Rich, how are you? Morning, everybody. Morning, everybody. It's good to be back. Um, yeah, big, big question, that one. Not always an easy one to answer, as you say, boss. I'd say for myself, I would say as I re-entered from holidays back into work, um, that I was actually, the word that probably captures it is nervous. Um, that's probably the heart of where I'm at in terms of coming back to work. Yeah. Um, I think last year was, and I think everyone knows this, and it's always going to be an understatement, it was incredibly tough for a lot of people. Um, some people in our congregation lost more than one person in their family. Um, people have lost jobs. People have started to face up to a financial future that is incredibly bleak, more so than ever before. Um, and so, you know, mental fatigue has crept in. Anxiety has become a genuine, genuine companion, an unwanted but genuine companion for a lot of people. And so last year has been very, very tough for me. For me, um, in many senses, I'm genuinely grateful that I haven't had to face up to a number of those kinds of things. But it was still, without a doubt, the second toughest year that I've experienced at Homeground Church, um, having been here for 25 years. I was going to say, and yeah. you've been here for a long time. Second toughest year. Um, it, it landed in my life in a different way to many people. For me, Last year started to ask questions about my calling, which I've really loved expressing and pursuing at the church. But it started to ask me questions 
about the church, about my calling, that somewhere during the year, I kind of started running out of answers. And so I ended the year last year, just before holidays, and it kind of dawned on me, towards the end of the year, genuinely hammered, um, genuinely depleted. Um, and, and I guess they questions that may not rattle the cages of many people, but questions like, how significantly is this church going to the change during the COVID period? How do you start to minister? How do you minister without that, that, that central cog, which was always the church services on a Sunday? How do you minister effectively in this new season? Um, you know, a bunch of those kinds of questions got on top of me. And so, yeah, I guess for me, the, the, the short answer is, boss, I felt quite defeated, but nervous as I approached the coming year. Yeah, so you see what I mean? Uh, it is a hard question to answer, and he said that was his short answer. <laughs> Debs, how was it? How, how are you? So how am I? Um, so to go back to where Rich kind of ended off, I didn't hate last year. Um, there actually were parts of last year that, that were uniquely awesome. Um, where we experienced some things like, like being home and family time. But I think at the bottom of the corona coaster, on, uh, at numerous occasions last year, I think the word that best describes it is overwhelmed, where there was just a lot, um, and sometimes just too much. So in my context, we have three small children, so it was homeschooling, it was working at the same time. Um, you know, so something that a lot of people faced over last year. Um, my father-in-law passed away last year, and so it was... They, they live with us, my in-laws, and so just dealing with an illness, dealing with grief in the midst of this weird, chaotic kind of season, and so overwhelmed would describe a lot of last year. And so as I enter this year, although I feel like I'm in quite a good space, I think the best way to describe it is, is I'm apprehensively hopeful. Um, I'm apprehensively hopeful. I, I'm hoping, and I, and I really do have hope for this coming year, but still there's a little bit of apprehension. So that's probably how I am at the moment. So that phrase that I quite like, happy, scared. Yeah. So, I mean, how am I? It's fair enough, eh? So, so I want to say that I'm like you, Deb. So both of us, I think, we're the, probably the two most positive people probably on the whole team, quite naturally by our disposition. Um, and I also, I loved a lot of last year. But I also have that lingering sense of, I don't want to use, no, I was going to say dread. I, that's not, that's, that's too big of a word. But I think for me, one of the biggest down parts of last year, and probably even more so going into this year because there's so many more deaths that we're seeing, is sadness. Now, for me, as a properly positive person, sad is, is kind of one of those things that, that it's not natural for me, and, and I've had to explore that. Uh, and, and I'm grateful, because I think one of the big things isn't so much what we are feeling, but it is being honest about what we are feeling. I think that's going to be key. And I, Rich, I know that you've been exploring this, and, and you've got some, some things you need to say about it. Well, I think in any of these situations, where we start to kind of get grapple with what's going inside of us, one of the key dynamics is we've got to bring Scripture to bear on that. What is, what is God saying about this internal journey that we're having? Um, to be aware of it is one thing. To, to be open in our awareness to what God's Spirit is saying about these things is absolutely critical. So, 
Do either of you have a bit of a journey to share with us in that regard? Deb? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I think for me, I've, since I was young, I've always found an incredible liberation almost in the Psalms um, and in David's interaction with God because he's just so completely authentic. Um, some of the stuff that he says to God, you know, coming from a church background, at the beginning of my walk with God, I, I was like, how can you say that, you know? But he's just so completely real and so completely authentic. Um, if we read from Psalm 13, um, which, is, which is gonna be up on the screen, um, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You know, was that the actual situation that God had turned his face? No, but it's how, how David felt. And often you see in scripture that, I mean, David seems quite overwhelmed. Sometimes he doesn't even really know what he's feeling, it seems, when you read it. And so I think just the fact that we can be authentic and real and raw and messy um, with, with God, I think that's incredibly freeing. And that's actually the relationship that God wants with us, I think. Um, and then second to that, if we follow on, if you go to the end of that same psalm, Psalm 13, um, he ends that same little context saying, but I trust in your unfailing love. So that guy was saying, where are you, God? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And so I think not only do the Psalms kind of give this pattern of, of, of allowing God to meet us in our messiness, but also allowing God to take us through that messiness into his presence. And I think that's just amazing. Thanks, Debs. Boss, what about you? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think for this, this sadness thing, it's been quite interesting, I think, for, for two reasons for me. Number one, I often feel that part of my job is to keep people positive. I mean, I, I do. I think my, part of my job is to keep our church moving forward, uh, which is a part of my job I absolutely love. And, and so you're tempted to kind of hide it because, because you don't want people to feel down. Um, and, you know, they're like, whoa, if the boss is like that. Um, and also just that, that kind of connecting with other people in their sadness. And for me to look at how Jesus dealt with sadness— and to read the Gospels and to see that he, that he went there. Uh, you know, I mean, one should imagine that Jesus must be the most positive person in the world. You know, I mean, you know he's all-powerful. And, you know, and he knows how this is going to end. But, but we, we see him engaging that thing of sadness and not just in secret, publicly. So, you know, there's that famous place where Jesus weeps uh, at Lazarus' tomb, but there's another place uh, uh, where, where we see Jesus expressing sadness, and it's in Luke chapter 13. Uh, it's so interesting, he's in Jerusalem now, and he's getting close to his crucifixion, and the Pharisees, a bunch of Pharisees actually say to him, hey, you should get out of town, Herod wants to kill you, which is like the Pharisees were even worried for Jesus. And then Jesus, and I imagine he must have kind of been standing up on a hill or something looking, and he says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. 
It's just it's such a beautiful picture of the king of the universe not just being sad, but being sad on behalf of other people and letting people see that he was sad. I think often in church world we are trained to pretend we're okay. And, and just like in, in, you know what, I think sometimes we put, we want to take our physical mask off in COVID because, you know, the one we must wear all the time because I'm okay. No, you're not. You're going to get this thing. And I think it's that important that we take off our spiritual mask because we are not okay. And, and I love that ability of Jesus to say, just say it. Just tell us how you're feeling. Awesome stuff. For me, um, you know, I love it when, when God places us in a passage of Scripture because of something we're going to face. So that when we get to that zone, He's already been working with us. And around about September or October of last year, just before that last session of buses, I started reading through the book of Job, and I've never really done that book as a devotional, but I've absolutely loved it. Um, I'm a very slow reader of Scripture. I don't rush it, so if I get through one chapter a day, that's a lot. I, I take it very much in yeah. bite-sized chunk. But, Rich, but, I remember when you took your whole three-month sabbatical to read one Psalm, 119, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. and slowly. But, but without a doubt, Book of Job is one of the toughest stories in the Bible. If you haven't read it recently or ever for that matter, it's about this guy, a father who lost everything almost overnight. He lost his family, which some of you are acutely aware of now. He lost his finances, which others are acutely aware of now. He lost everything that brought him a sense of joy or security in life. Almost overnight, he lost everything. And, and that just happens in the first two books, uh, first two chapters of the book of, of, of Job. The other 40 ch chapters pretty much just capture the, the moments of grappling that Job and his friends go through. And I think it's so critical for many of us at the moment to know what grappling with God actually looks like and how to do that job well. And so the book of Job kind of really just set me up for that journey. And, and just three quick points that I want to point out about Job's grappling. And the first one echoes very much what Boss and, and Deb said just now. And the first one that is, is that he, he has the ability, Job had the ability to have very frank conversations with God, bordering at times on almost accusing God of stuff. I want to read a little bit of a section of, of, of what he says, and I want you to ask yourself, when last did your prayer life sound like this? This is the level of authenticity that Job had. Job 19, 7 to 11 says, Although I cried out violence, I received no answer. I cried for help, but there was no justice. He, speaking of God, he blocked my path so that I cannot pass. And he turned out the lights on my pathways. He stripped me of my honor. He's stolen the crown of my head. He is breaking me down on every side. And now it feels to Job, it's too late for me. He has uprooted me like a tree. His anger burns against me. He regards me as his adversary. I mean, those words in the, the book of Job, they don't sound like loving worship, you know, 
or loving attention to God. They are genuine grapplings from a God. And I think there is huge relief and rest when we can become honest with God. Pretense is very hard work. Um, but truthful, being truthful like this, I think, is the starting place of a healing with God. In fact, I even think that that kind of grip, grappling is a different kind of worship of God when we turn our hearts and our hurts back to God. So, Rich, uh, that, that's actually such an important point of, of worshiping God with mourning. God, I mean, that's, that's right. And, and I think that's why we, we, we make that a different department. You, in, in fact, in the beginning, you said it's almost like he accuses God. No, Rich, it's not almost. He does. I mean, he says harsh things. Yeah. Now, I like what you say, boss, about worshiping God in mourning. That is real. That yeah. is a possibility. Yeah. That's why they pay you the big bucks for insights like that. <laughs> Second thing that Job does that I think he does so well is he, he, he pursues this grappling with friends around him. He never does it alone. Um, listen to Job 2 verse 13. It kind of sets the tone. So this is chapter 2 of this long, long book in the Bible. It says, they each ripped their robes. These friends had gathered around Job now. They each ripped their robes, threw ashes into the air on their heads. All of that's kind of strange in this day and age. But then it said, they said, and they sat with Job on the ground for a full week without saying a word, since they could, could see the great extent of his anguish. And sometimes we simply don't have the words to help people. And that's a, that's a position I know that that I found myself in often. I don't have the words to minister to people. But they started off well, and they just sat with people in their anguish as a ministry statement in itself. So, and Job never stopped that. He never stepped away from that crowd. There were always people around him during his grappling, and that's the key point. And the last thing that I want to mention is that the culmination of his grappling, the high point of his, of his, of his grappling happens in the last chapter of Job, Job chapter 42. Listen to the verse. Job chapter 42 verse 5 says, Job says, having heard God, having heard his friends, he says, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's the high point, I think, of any grappling. When it goes from a theoretical knowledge of God into a genuine experience, I now see you, God, in the midst of this. And may your grappling bring you to that point. So, Rich, I, I, that thing of being with friends, for me, that often comes out when you trying to say something and then somebody else says it. And it is, you go from hearing about it to seeing it like, oh, you know, it's like reading a really good book. It's like, oh, and I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we can do this alone. We can't. I totally agree with you. And I think sometimes, even when you just speak, speak it out, sometimes you're able to put a word to what you are really feeling. Up until that point, it's just a, a bunch of emotions. I think like these sorts of conversations, like we're having right now, and people, people watching or listening, might think that this is completely staged. But the truth is just a little bit of insight to, to some of you guys, is that we have these kinds of conversations all the time on our staff. Um, and outside of staff, I know that I meet with a group of people on, on a Friday morning. This is like life-altering stuff. 
Um, I know that you guys also have groups yeah. that you meet with. Yeah. But I think that the truth in, in these times particularly is that this kind of conversation is not common. I think, unfortunately, all too often, we, especially now, we have to do a lot of this stuff online. Um, all too often, you know, someone says, how are you? And we respond with a smiley face, you know? And that's, and that's the level of our response. Or instead of dealing with something, you just kind of send a thumbs up. Like, you might say something a little bit tough, but you add a thumbs up afterwards to, like, ease it. You know, so it's not hectic, I've got this. Or perhaps you hear something tricky that someone else has shared with you, and you respond with praying hands. You know, that, that traditional emoji. Sometimes even when you don't really intend to even pray for them, to be all, all perfectly honest. Um, and I just think emojis, and, and what I mean by emojis is not just the actual icon when you're sending a WhatsApp. Um, also just that surface level, abrupt, short response to that question, how are you doing? It's just not enough. It just doesn't, it doesn't reach. And so that's why we're speaking today about taking off our masks. Um, I think from a leadership perspective, our church leadership are, are just acutely aware that people are struggling right now. Um, I've heard two people in the last week say that 2020 was the worst year of their life hardest year of their life. Um, numerous people say they just hated it. And, and we're coming out of that into this new year and actually into a second wave where things are increasingly difficult, increasingly severe. Um, and we can't just assume that we're all going to be fine or that we're all fine. And I think unless we're willing to take off our spiritual masks, our emotional masks, and actually tell someone about it, um, we're never going to be able to move through this. And so I want to ask you who are listening today, how are you? How are you really? And a follow-on question to that is, does anybody know? Is there anyone out there who knows how you are doing really? And so that's the whole, the whole thing about this take off your mask. It's not just what we're going to speak about today, but you'll hear that phrase over the next month in lots of different ways um, because we really want to encourage people to be authentic, to be real. So I want to throw out to you guys, is this important? Why should we do it? And, and maybe more importantly, how? How can we do it? Mm. Debs, I absolutely agree with you. Um, Despite the difficult journey that I think our church has been going through, and I'm talking purely as a church, um, I think one of the blessings of the season is that our church has been called to find each other in a way that previous seasons hasn't really been as urgent. They've been called to find each other, not only for their own sake, but because other people desperately need them in their lives. Um, they need to discover the need to find each other as well. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe previous seasons of church life haven't been able to make that need as real as, as this season is, where, where people are isolated unless we, in our situation, are willing to step into other people's lives, they will remain isolated and needy and vice versa. When I'm needy and... and and, and, and I'm grappling with some life issues or faith issues, I'm going to learn that very humbling act of saying, please help me. Um, so those are dynamics that I think this season has introduced in a whole new way. We need to learn what it is to give help, and we need to learn to ask for help as well. So yeah, I think that is critical. Yeah, I, I, I think that's huge, Rich. And you know, I think 
needing each other isn't just for this season, it's always. We are the body of Christ. We are not a body of Christ, and, and so we, we need each other anyway. For me, I think one of the, the, not one of, I think the first big step is honesty. Now, to be, to be honest, I think it's really hard to be honest with yourself and with other people. And I don't think that people intentionally are always dishonest with themselves. I know that in my struggling with who I am as a person, I, I've spent some time with friends, I've spent some time with a psychologist, and, and one of the things that person said to me was, John, you love the word guilt. Says, you use it when you shouldn't use it. And I didn't intentionally deceive myself like that. But I got that person to help me be honest. And, and I think this thing of honesty is so important. Now, we can't blurt everything out to everybody. We know that. But, you know, Psalm 139 is such a great psalm because it's kind of the psalmist is, is telling God about his struggles and, and being honest, but, but then he says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God doesn't need to do that. He's already done it. Why is the psalmist saying that? He's saying, God, I need you to look at me, and then I need you to tell me what's wrong with me. I need you to help me be honest with myself. And so that idea of having other people and Scripture be honest with us, and then to be able to go, okay, I need to tell somebody about this, yeah. all of it. Totally, I agree yeah. with you. And, and just that Scripture jumps into my mind, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can comprehend it? It deceives us. We, do, we sometimes don't know. Yeah, we think our own hearts. Okay. Yep. And so I think first step to go to God with that and to say, what, what, is, what is that? But then also to go to someone, as you said. And I think, um, you know, the Bible tells us to, to confess our sin one to another. I think that's part of it. But it also says to, to carry each other's burdens. We're not supposed to do this alone. Um, and, so, and so what we want to do as a, as a very practical kind of suggestion, um, in our church we have these things called LTCs, Life Transforming Conversations, which are a very small group of people that you can be completely authentic with, that you're asking each other the hard questions, how are you doing, and others, and actually expecting real responses. And you go into those spaces expecting and being courageous enough to actually say what is truthful, not just the, you know, the, the surface level stuff, but right to the depths of you know, stuff that you maybe don't want to share with anyone else. And so we want to encourage everyone who is listening to, if maybe you are in an LTC, continue on with that and, and, and be real, be authentic, take off your mask. We just need a few people around us that we can be completely real with to take off our masks with them. And if you're not in an LTC, maybe you even want to pause this video right now and, and WhatsApp one or two people and say, I need somebody that I can be vulnerable and authentic with. Please, will you be my person? Um, I've found for me, it's just so freeing and liberating when you can actually tell everyone all, to the last percent, you know, that stuff that you, you don't want to say, maybe you're a bit ashamed of, but as it comes out, you feel free. And it's incredible what those sorts of conversations 
do for us. And so that's what we're inviting you all to do, to find one or two people that you can take off your mask with. Debs, I think, I think sometimes people don't want to do it because they think they're not experts. And, and to go back to what Richard said about Job, I mean, you read that book of Job, and, and all of them get God things wrong. In fact, more often than they get it right. But they still sit there together and, and do it. And so I think this idea of we can't do it because we're not experts is, is, is bad. Yeah, we're not actually needing anyone to give us advice necessarily. It's just for us to be vulnerable. And so that, en that encouragement, find somebody that you can take off your mask with. And also, if you're in a space where you're really feeling positive, that's amazing. Why don't you be very intentional about asking a few people, even this week, how are you doing really? Is there a way that I can support you? And so that's what we want to encourage you with, to take off your mask, to be authentic, to be authentic with God, to be authentic with yourself, and to be authentic with one or two other people, because we really believe that healing and growth and freedom will come, as well as support and care. And so as we finish off, um, I just want to read, and, and, and perhaps you can read this with me or pray this with me. I want to read through Psalm 13. It's what I referred to earlier, what I read from, and I'm going to read it from the message. And maybe this will help you to express yourself to God a little bit more. But let me read this, and, and, and I invite you to pray this with me. Long enough, God. You've ignored me long enough. Is this how you feel today? I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough I've carried this ton of trouble and lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. Long enough. Is this how you feel? Maybe it's long enough something else and you can finish your own sentence. Bring that to God. And David carries on. He says, take a good look at me, God, my God. I want to look life in the eye so no enemy can get the best of me or laugh when I fall on my face. And then he continues, and this is my prayer for all of us. He says, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. Why don't you choose to do that today? Whether it's accusing God, whether it's just being honest with him, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of, un, of, of answered prayers. God, thank you that we can be honest with you. Thank you, God, that you meet us in the messiness that is our lives. But also you reveal yourself to us and you, and you take us through that point into your presence where although our circumstances are exactly the same, somehow the world looks different. And so, God, I want to pray for us as a church family or for anyone who's watching. I want to pray, God, that you would help us to take off our emotional, our spiritual masks. That we wouldn't need to hide anything from you or from a few trusted friends. God, thank you that you are with us. 
in the midst of our mourning, may we worship you. In the midst of celebration, may we worship you. In the midst of whatever we are feeling, please meet us in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to wrap up right here for this week. We'll see you again next week. And we pray that you would take off your mask. See you next time. Cheers, guys.